0: Okay. I'm going to try to do just a try to do a little just a quick review um, of where we've where we've come from as, as Matt and I have tried to do uh, during this study just to kind of keep things fresh in our minds. Um, started off, recognizing this chapter and kind of broke it up into some sections where there chapters one through six basically deal with Paul, divisions that we saw, divisions among brethren, uh, fornication in chapter five and actually not actually dealing with that particular sin that was in the church, uh, problem with discipline. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about lawsuits in chapter six also as well, the tail into chapter six and get into actually the sin of sexual immorality and, and fornication. Um, next section of, of 1 Corinthians from chapter 7 through 14 are a lot of things that issues that may have been brought to Paul's attention from the, house, the household of Chloe, from those problems that were reported to Paul. Um, she made him aware of, of those things through chapter six. Now the brethren may have written him with concerns or issues, and we see that through chapters 7 through 14. Things like he might say at the beginning of the chapter, now concerning those things which you wrote, those things which they may have corresponded with him and had questions about marriage, things sacrificed to idols, a covering, um, abuse of the Lord's Supper, spiritual gifts, Um, Chapter 15 uh, with false teaching of the resurrection, and then collection of the saints in chapter chapter 16. As we kind of break that down and look at a review of chapter 1, we we saw divisions and again, wisdom of men. Chapter 2, we see faith does not rest in the wisdom of men, the power of God. The wisdom of God. Chapter 3, preachers are servants or fellow workers. Um, Think back to, Paul talks to these brethren when he first actually opens that chapter. um, The carnal minds that they had and not being able to withstand and be able to handle those things that are solid but still of milk. Chapter 4, we saw the proper view of how they should see Preachers talked about preachers, and then Paul gave his list of the things that the apostles have gone through. A lot of things that that that, that were pretty incredible when you think about, but kind of putting themselves in their perspective of themselves versus the, seeing how the apostles viewed themselves. Uh, then, chapter five, Matt took us through last uh, last Lord's Day. Uh, had a fornicator among them, and yet at the same time, they're tolerating that sin in the church and instead of being brethren who would uh, look at that and be shameful and and sorrowful, we recognize that, uh, you know, and and deal with that, eradicate that problem quickly, we see these brethren were arrogant. They were prideful. They uh, instead uh, were puffed up about the situation. So this morning what we're going to try to do is look at, Chapter 6, we're going to get into that. Any questions about anything we've talked about or gone over here before we get started? Yes, sir? Uh, Just
1: about Chapter 5, I wanted to make a couple more points of this.
0: That's okay. Okay.
1: Okay. The the first reason, just like any other uh, commandment that we have, the first reason we obey is because well, God said so, and uh, we, I think there's some discussion last week about the value of uh, saving someone who is lost, and that's that's vital. That's very important. Uh, there's also a um, a value to uh, protecting the congregation from you know that leavening influence, and I think that's that's vital too. But the the first reason, of course, is obedience to God, um, and I, I like how when he lists the sins in, uh, in, in verse 9, maybe? Where is it that he He starts out with sexual immorality, but he... Um,
0: talk about verse 11?
1: 11, yeah, that's it. Uh, and, and, I mean, I guess I imagine it could be that this person who is sinning is sitting there with him uh, listening to the reading of this letter... So he starts there, but he expands it out, and that's that. I think maybe a hint of, of gentleness on his part that it's not just sexual immorality, but any of these, uh, including a reviler. You know, someone who reviles people uh, is not someone we're supposed to associate with either. These, these are all uh, equal sins to uh, to what he's committed. So, um, but yeah, I just wanted to to bring those out, not having a chance to before. I yeah, appreciate that.
0: Thank you, Chris. Any other, any other comments? Okay. So let's start here in, in chapter 6. i um, I'm going to deal with uh, going to law against a brother and uh, also going to deal with, uh, tail, tail end of this chapter, we're going to deal with the uh, uh, sexual immorality as he's going to address, uh, Paul's going to address that with, with his brethren as well. Verse one says, "When one of you has a grievance against another, and does, does he dare to go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if, and if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases?" Reading from the English Standard Version, uh, did a lot of my study from this. I did a lot of my study from the American Standard Version. Um, just in word termino- just word differences in terminology I um, want to look at a couple of things here but he says here in verse 1 you know what, what do we see Paul saying to, to these brethren does he dare to go to law does he dare to go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints when you have a grievance against one another how are you handling that they were evidently taking brethren through the legal process of trial, maybe civil matter, before non-Christian judges, before non, a, 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 a court for the, profit, the purpose of, as we'll see down here in verse 7 shortly, of, uh, of defrauding one another. Um, they were going to courts, the unbelievers, the unrighteous, and uh, to settle these various disputes with one another instead of settling those issues among themselves. Verse 2 says, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you not incompetent? He says, Are you incompetent to try trivial cases? And, I, you know, I think when we think about this situation, you know, back in chapter 5, uh, Paul reveals these brothers' refusal to exercise discipline uh, with regard to the matter of a brother who had his father's wife. Chapter 6, he exposes their unwillingness to get involved in brothers' disputes. And we see that uh, throughout. And, you know, again, we've talked about this, and and Chris kind of brought that up as well, uh, thinking about Paul's, and I'll use this word, so to speak, tactical approach and how he handled these brothers, how he handled this church. You know, he could have easily said, you know, you guys have got issues, you got problems, and and we've talked about this. I'm out of here. I don't know what to tell you. But he didn't do that. You know, Paul sees these issues, and one by one, he starts to what? Model coddle? Just kind of dance around it? No. He lays it out. He lays it thick. Sometimes there's a little sarcasm. Sometimes he's coming at them with, I think, both barrels. um, And he's letting them know the things that you're doing are inappropriate, and most importantly, they're sin. It's sin. I think about uh, as, uh, as I look again as, and looking at these two verses, chapter, verse, chapter six, verses one and two. That word dare, um, talmeo. The Greek word is talmeo, is to undertake or take heart either to do or bear something terrible or difficult. To have courage enough for some purpose, to be bold enough to do something. And what's he say to them in this? In, the, in light of this, does do you dare? To go to law before the unrighteous, you know how dare you do this? I mean, what are, what are you thinking in this process? You know, you may have two brothers. You know, one's got a dispute. Maybe it's maybe it's a, I'll just give an example. Maybe it's property. You know, and maybe there's a property line. Maybe there's a, a division or a property line that's they've got a dispute or they have a problem with. Um, and one one says, you know, I think the line should be here, and one says, well, I think the line should be here. And it may be something, you know, and you think about it, it maybe a, a trivial matter, but These are brethren. They're supposed to have been what? We're going to see this here shortly. When we talk, we see this in the later part of the chapter. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. But is that how they're acting? Is that their behavior? It isn't. Um, Rather than settling these issues themselves or among the saints, they're going to court to the land. They're taking all of this and going to a, a, a human court to, to take care of this, the word neighbor here. When we see that um, law before the unrighteous, when you have a grievance against one another, the, the, there's the word neighbor. The New American Standard. If you're using the New American Standard, you'll see the word neighbor there. Um, neighbors, you know, when you think about that, it's describing the brother. The sentence, you know, any of you, uh, when when you, when one of you, this that. The New American Standard says when any of you, and it looks at that subject of that sentence the saints any of you it, and it's he's he's pulling them out judge and then i'm going to step down into verse two know that the saints will judge the world now let's think about a judge for a minute we're going before a judge what's a judge do
2: makes determination
0: <clears throat> okay here's the matter and makes a decision makes a determination on that matter now when we see this it says do you not know that the saints will judge the world does that just jump right at you and think, "Yeah, yeah, we judge the world. How do we do that? Do the saints judge the world? By our conduct. Okay, by our conduct. What else? Think about from from a standpoint. Do you know we we've we've talked about people looking or seeing us, recognizing us when we're out in the world. We, you know, we're here in this group this morning amongst one another, but we step outside the building. We step outside." And we're among the world. We're to be in the world but not of the world. But what's the world see? What's the world read when we're out there? Do they see, oh, well, that's an individual. He's no different than anybody else. Or that's an individual, and, boy, he's a little different than what I see most. Do we see? Yes?
3: Well, basically what what you're supposed to show the world is... um, kindness and the love and the compassion that Jesus has shown for you and you're supposed to be that way especially in these days and age when everybody's so selfish and they're so they're so about themselves and they're more about um, what I can take and what I can get and what I can gain from you you're supposed to be the opposite you're supposed to be a more loving and a compassionate person and you're supposed to be a more forgiving person and more open person that doesn't mean you're a weak person. That just means you're a more godly person.
0: Okay. Appreciate that. I think, too, we kind of drill down into this a little bit with what Paul's trying to bring out to these brethren is that, you know, the standard, the saints are going to judge the world in the lives as has been brought out, as, as Bruce talked about, our conduct in, in the lives that represent a standard of truth, the standard that's going to determine whether one is acceptable or unacceptable before God and so as we as we you know as we see the saints are going to stand as representatives of the highest law and the judge in the world why would they not want the court systems why would they want to operate on human reason why would they want to operate in this manner you know the saints are commanded to make righteous judgments and we're to weigh actions and weigh words of all individuals with the word of God. First John 4, verse 1. Christians ought to be able to judge in these matters. But these brethren were not doing that. These brethren, as, as we see here, these brethren, you know, and let's drop down to verse 3. Do you not know that we'll judge angels? Now, we've recently had several studies. Uh, Brother Leland has, has presented several studies on, on angels. And uh, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, there's a lot of the unknown. I mean, we we don't know a lot of things uh, when it comes to things like this. And I'll be I'll be honest with you here. Um, when we when we when it talks about that we are to judge angels, how much more than matters pertaining to this life? Now, in my study, what I feel like, and, and if and if you disagree or if you got more to add to this, but. I want I feel like I'm, I'm going to bring this around a little bit for us to help us understand this how do we as saints judge angels you know from Jude 6, 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 talks about angels are going to undergo judgment as men uh, you know as men is apparent from the, these these particular verses I uh, want I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip over here really quick to Jude and I want to read just to kind of, and, and this is going to be just Jude, verse 6. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left the proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. I'm going to stop right there. But again, you know, I think in a nutshell, I think what Paul's bringing out here is the fact that if Christians... And these brethren, he's saying to, to you know, here you are in a situation where you... Are taking these matters that you have amongst yourselves and you're taking them to human courts you're taking them to the unbelievers you're taking them to the unrighteous if you're Christians who are to judge in these high matters with regard to think about that for a second to with regard to the Saints as we as we judge the world and we judge angels in, in, in this particular case Should we not be able to judge things pertaining to this life? Should the Christian ought to be able to handle those disputes that arise among its own members? Think about Matthew 18. What's Matthew 18 tell us? Verses 15 through 17. If there's an issue, there's aught with a brother, what do we do? Take it to the court? Privately. And that word's used, privately. That's to be used. Now, I want to ask you this. Why? why why is why is that i mean it's you know as i get older and i and i study more and i read more and you see the perspective that people could have and and our world has this perspective our world has a perspective that if there's an issue or a problem you've got to alt with somebody you sue them you take them to court i mean i've seen it from Somebody getting a cup of coffee going to work in a, in a McDonald's or a Burger King and the coffee was too hot and they spill a little bit on them. And next thing you know, somebody's taking Burger King to court or taking. I mean, that, that's just a small. One. It, that list goes on and on and on. When I was in law enforcement, I saw the civil court people. In fact, I worked for the sheriff's department for a period of time. And all I did was deliver civil paperwork. You can't even imagine what lay in the front of my seat. Of civil paperwork that people were suing other brethren. Now some of that was other other civil matter, but there were a lot, a lot, a lot of lawsuits in that paperwork. People suing somebody across the county, somebody suing somebody across the state. Something's happened in their property. Something's in the again. People in 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 2022, and this has not just been since 2000. They're sue so happy. They're sue so crazy. It's and Paul brings it into these brethren. Here you've got a dispute. And what do you do with this dispute? You should be handling that amongst yourselves. You should be in a position, but again, who's he talking to? He's talking to what we just what did we talk about here just a couple of weeks ago? Are they spiritually minded? Carnal? Yeah, they're carnally minded. You know, think about. Corinth in that day. Think about the philosophers. Think about, you know, the first part of chapter one, what they, they, they put their soul and trust in, you know, I was baptized by this individual. Because I was, I'm better than you. I'm I'm elevated. I'm in a position. And if you weren't baptized by Paul, or you weren't baptized by Cephas, you weren't baptized by Paul's, not sure you're cut out, I'm not sure you're made for it, not sure you're quite there yet. And it's and it's terrible. When you think about those kind of things that are going on in the church, it's terrible. And yet, well, why are these things written for us? Because these very things could happen right here. They could happen right here. We get so upset and, and feel like uh, that we've not got our way, or we've, we're not in a position to where you know I, I'm going to defraud somebody. I'm going to take advantage of somebody. I'm going to wrong somebody. We got to be careful. And I think, again, as, as we as we look at this, I think these are the kind of things that we need to make sure we're thinking about when it comes to our uh, when it comes to our lives and the things that we do. And especially as as we work together. Uh, so, yes, sir.
4: I think, too, this matter does great damage to the church uh, because what should have been done privately has now become open and the world is very attuned uh, to Christians making a mistake. And you've been in court, and and I used to cover uh, court for uh, television, and it was uh, Sometimes the emotions that go with that come out to be very, very Uh, open and harsh. Absolutely. And sometimes the shame that's brought on each other. So the world would look at that and say, how can you Christians preach love when you can't love one another? How can you preach forgiveness when you can't even forgive? And when we make things open to the world uh, of these things, uh, we're actually doing the opposite of what Jesus told us to do. We're to be fishers of men, we're to be lights and salt. That's not being lights and salt. And certainly we're not going to catch anything uh, with that kind of open display of false uh, Christianity. Absolutely. And and so you're right. They were carnal in their minds to go and and rather than sit down, as, as Jesus said, sit down and settle it before you go to court. Uh, they wanted to, to go to court and have it openly displayed to the world uh, that Christians uh, behave this way towards one another over what he calls trivial matters. Yes,
0: yes. I think that when, when we 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 uh, we consider. Verse 4, if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? What's he saying, verse 5? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there's no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between brothers? But brother goes to law against brother and then before unbelievers. And I think here Paul is laying it on them pretty hard. You know, he's, he's telling them that they should have been ashamed of themselves. But, uh, and, and I think he brings that out. He brings out the fact that they're, uh, you know, he's ashamed of them. You know, I, we think back again, chapter 5, rather than expressing regret, rather than expressing you know, remorse because of what was going on there, they were puffed up. Now, judging a brother amongst themselves, they've allowed the unjust to judge their matters. And, again, violating New Testament principle. He shames them. Things about he shames them in the area of, four, of, of, of really four of these four sins that have come out from chapter one till now: elevating preachers, the jealousy, tolerating sin in the church, and now defrauding one another in the courts of human of of, of the of unbelievers or human. Yes, sir.
5: In regard to the saints judging the world, Jesus said, John twelve forty eight that you'll be judged by the words that I have spoken he said so what are christians supposed to reflect in their lives is the gospel so as we go out in the world that's that's what the world should be seeing in us that's right and so in that sense saints judge the world and maybe other ways too but that's certainly one way so later on you're going to see he's going to tell them these these brethren are defrauding one another so What's the world seeing? And they're not reflecting Jesus in their lives. And, and therefore, their influence, like Bruce was saying, in the world is not what it should be. They should be judging based on reflecting the gospel, and they're reflecting anything but the gospel. That's right. And so that, that hurts the ability to uh, teach the gospel to others, to bring others to Christ. So it's, it's a bad thing all the way around. Absolutely.
0: Verse 7, he says, to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? And I think that's a pretty powerful verse right there when you think about that. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. When you look up the word defeat or defect, um, I looked it up actually from four different, from four different versions have different words to to mean the same thing, say the same thing, but I think, you know, when we think about their loss or a a defect was in their defrauding each other before worldly courts, American Standard Version used the word defect uh, as as a New American Standard. Uh, English Standard Version uses defeat. King James Version uses fault. Uh, It's it's to your fault. And then uh, same with uh, the, the New King James Version. But again, when you think about that word, it's, a, it's your loss. I mean, it's already, he says, to have lawsuits at all is a failure for you. It's a failure for you to, to even be here, for you to do this. This is not, and, and again, such good comments that have been brought out with regard to that. There's no way that this is going to be a, provide for the integrity of the church. No way is it going to give those kind of things that brethren... Would other people would be able to see. And here we are among the unrighteous who would give, it's going to give us a bad name anyway. And now we see that I'm going to go with wherever you are there, Cameron pig, Josh.
2: So <clears throat> some of the emphasis that we put on this passage is don't go to the courts. Um, but if we're not careful, what we might oversee in this is we must be willing to judge within the church there are some situations where they're real messy. And sometimes the natural approach of some is, well, I just don't want to get involved with that. I'm not going to touch that. And we may, uh, by virtue of doing that, if someone is wanting help to say, hey, we need, we need wisdom, we need, to, we need some decision by the brethren as to who needs to make some correction here. And if we not will, if we're not willing to judge, as is being instructed here, um, then what does that do? That just then maybe encourages those people to, well, I guess my only course then is to go to court, you know? So we need to be ready and willing to judge within uh, the church um, when situations arise and they need to be uh, taken care of.
0: Good point. I I've got a couple here, Bruce, and I'll be over to you. Uh, There's a skateboard camera.
1: Really, really good comments um, so far, and I I certainly don't uh, disagree with us judging here within our congregation, uh, not being judged by the world. Uh, It's an interesting contrast with uh, chapter 5, verse 12, where it says, For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Uh, do Do you not judge those who are inside? But God judges those. But but those who are outside, God judges. And then, uh, if we compare, if we have that with, do you not know that saints will judge the world? It's it's similar to, verse three. Uh, do you not know that we shall judge angels? So it's a future tense for both of these. Um, Correct. So yeah, that, yes. that's all. Thanks.
0: Uh, Alan, I think yeah.
6: Paul. Yeah. Through, through a lot of the chapters is, has been talking about, there's a difference between the world and the church and, and in different ways, chapter 5 and the chapter 6 here. One of the early differences he mentions in this book is that the word of the cross is foolish to the world. And I think that comes into play here. If in a moment where we have an opportunity to show that the cross being selfless, being wronged and not doing something about it, If we have that opportunity and then we run to those that think the cross is foolish to get their justice, how much are we showing that we also just don't think it's foolish to? If we can say that the cross is powerful to us, but if we have opportunities to carry ours with regards to our brethren, but we run to the world because we don't want to do that, I think Paul, in later verses, will begin to say then we're slipping back. and We're slipping back into unrighteousness and unbelieving because... We're not showing that the cross is powerful if we run from it every opportunity we can. Good point, good point. Okay.
4: Phil, doesn't, doesn't this whole chapter tie in with Matthew 18 because a brother has sinned or done wrong to a, uh, another brother? Well, if you can't work it out between yourselves, then you bring a couple more wise people uh, to maybe help settle between you two. That's what he's talking about here. Is there Absolutely. not anybody wise in the congregation? Absolutely. And then if they uh, if they can't work it out, then then maybe the, the rest of the church needs to hear about this. Maybe they have a solution and you work it out before it reaches the point where you reach this fellowship. It, it's, it's all about the discipline of the Christian uh, to settle things. And if you can't do it by yourselves, then you get other brethren to help. you.
0: Absolutely. Good point. Absolutely. Any other comments? Yes, in the back, Jason, Cameron. Um,
3: well, there's two examples that I th- I'm thinking about. Um, the first one is a while back there was a couple of um, unfortunate incidents where uh, people came in and harmed, harmed a couple Christians through um, violence. And when they were at trial, the preachers and the Christians forgave those people they they showed them mercy, they showed them kindness and that that's one way that a christian uh, is different than the rest of the world. Another thing is if you have some kind of dispute with somebody, I'd much rather um not get justice and and be and save your soul than have be right and make a profit off of it so basically you just you got to consider you know you got to consider is it worth losing that person as your friend is it worth losing that person's soul over is it really that big of a deal and if it's not sometimes you just gotta let it go
0: okay thank you continue on here. And I think, uh, you know, really verses 1 through 8, we see, as as noted here, you know, we do wrong going to court against one another. And I think it's important that we recognize how far and how deep Paul even talks about this situation is. Um, we look at verse 8, but you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. Do you not know verse 9? Do you not know that the righteous... And I think what happens here, he's going to make a make kind of a twist here, going to make kind of a change in his thought process uh, where we might go here to 1 Corinthians 6 and talk about someone who's been in these various sins and they've come out of they've been washed, they've been sanctified, they've been justified... I think what Paul's doing here is he's taking him right into to this next section. Um, it's, it's still a thought process that he's still talking about your actions and your behavior with regard to taking your brother and doing these things, wronging them, defrauding them. He says in verse nine, "Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived about this. Don't fool yourself if you think that." He said it's, and then he gets and he gets into this 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 long list of sins. You know, I think sometimes there's uh, and, and I'm going to go back to verse nine here. And then I'll, then I'll make my comment. Um, you know, I think they felt they were okay, that they were in a, in a position that they're, that, that, that exercise their right, their rights to defraud their brother um, through the civil courts. And Paul tells them what they're doing is wrong and the unrighteous and, and unrighteous and continue to do this or be involved in this behavior is going to the law against your brother is just as guilty as those who committed fornication, those who are idolaters, those who are adulterers, etc. The, the, the word unrighteous here in, in verse 9, the word unrighteous here is adikos and those who wrong, atico um, are both equivalent, mean the same thing. Unrighteous, adikos, and those who wrong, atico, adikos, and adiko. Are equivalent in, the, in their meaning we have a tendency sometimes I think to categorize sin we categorize things you know and when we think about it if, if, if I were to say to you and, you, and, and just the first thing would strike your mind what's the most heinous sin you could think of? Somebody'd probably say uh, murder, maybe fornication, maybe adultery but then I think what we see here is that when we think about things like well, but you know what some you know that, that guy you know he's been caught lying before and we kind of just you know well it's not good to do that you know and then we hear even categorized as little white lies and we hear think, I mean it just continues what's that do it just continues to minimize it continues to shrink it back it tries to say if you know it's really well it's not really a big deal but I think we need to understand that sin is powerful sin is a destroyer and I think we need to realize that lying cheating stealing while we can look at those as lesser sins they're sin Murder, fornication, adultery, we'll look at those and say, oh, you know, this is a great, these are, these are, these are heinous. No. Paul's saying here, he's saying that defrauding and wronging your brother is just as bad as these things that are listed here in verses 9 through 10. If you take your brother to court and you defraud him, you wrong him, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you have a heart and and an attitude, and I think that's what we see here. You know, this, this, uh, I think it's you know it's it's difficult sometimes for us to think when we read this of a church that's comprised of formal homosexuals, pedophiles, drunkards, thieves, but it's exactly what Paul said. It's exactly what he's bringing out, and what happened with them. They were washed, they were sanctified, they were baptized into Christ, they were set apart, they were cleansed and purified, and then they were justified. One to be just and righteous, acquitted of a charge or a reproach. They had all of that basically taken away from them when they became Christians. Verses 1 through 11, Paul shames the Corinthian brother for their willingness to not only defraud each other, for their attitude in allowing those things in the world to decide the matters for them. The, The reproach that they bring upon the church in taking this to the outside, taking it to the world, taking it to the corpse. How are you going to, you know, how are you going to, the the, the clerk, and and, and we many have brought this out, how are we going to bring them or influence them to Christ? How is that going to be possible with the lives we live when they look and say, well, that church is constantly. You know, think about Corinth at the time and all the the things that were going on. We talked about the divisions. We talked about jealousy. We talked about. the the fornicate, all the things that were going on and what was happening here. What kind of an influence were they to Corinth? How are they going to bring other Christians in? And Paul's telling them that. He's saying that here as well. Such contact is sinful, and he reminds them that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we move into this last section, and we're close to a buzzer. I know we're... um, This this next section, we, we get into... With, he's going to talk to them about fleeing immorality, sexual immorality. Um, when, and I'm looking again from the English Standard Translation. Um, if you look at New King James Version, actually the door's just open. If you look at the New King James Version, if you look at the uh, King James Version, It looks as though Paul is saying, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. But if you look at the English Standard Version, and you see how that's written, it's like, and and as I'm looking here at the English, if you have the English Standard Version, look at where it says, all things are lawful for me, but are in quotes. And and, and from from study and from other commentaries and, and from other brethren that have kind of looked at this, I think what he's saying here is this is the attitude that these brethren have. All things are lawful for me. That's what the Corinthians are saying. All things are lawful for me. Paul says, well, they're not helpful. They're not expedient. They're not. And then he said that all things are lawful. And I will be dominated by anything. And I'm going to stop here at verse 12. Um, they're, they're going to associate food. They're going to associate food in the stomach with the body and fornication. That's what's coming up here in verse, in, in, in verse 13 and on. So we're going to stop here. Appreciate your comments. And, uh,
2: We'll take over next Lord's Day. Finish up this and get into chapter 7.